Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Trundle Bed Tales. Today's episode is number 58, and it is Laura Ingalls Wilder Month at Old World Wisconsin. Now, while it isn't an official Laura Ingalls Wilder site, Old World Wisconsin has long impressed everyone with their dedication to Wisconsin's favorite daughter with an annual event. And last year, they expanded this event into an entire month, and I am just really excited to tell you all about it. Now, before that happens, though, we just do have a minute of housekeeping here. And I am just opening the chat room now, so remember that if you have a question, you can always chat in and ask that way. You can also make comments or discuss with other people listening live what's going on in the show. Also, if you want to call in, you can sure do that, either because you have a question or a comment, or if you'd rather listen through your phone while we're live, instead of trying to stream it through the computer, you can do that too. And the number is 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll-free, one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. That's toll free one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. And I want to make sure that everybody knows that I'm going to be going to the fortieth anniversary of the Little House and the TV show Cast Union in Walnut Grove uh next Thursday. Uh, well, I'm driving on Thursday, and then I'll be there Friday and Saturday, and hopefully I'm going to run over to Dismet on Sunday, and it should just be a grand old time. If you are going uh, to that event, too, make sure that you catch our last episode in the archive, if you haven't yet already, because we've got a lot of good hands-on information right from the source about what to do and how to um, have a good time at the event. And also watch for my roving reports from there. And I think that's about all the housekeeping we have. So let's just finish up. And I'm going to bring on today's guest. Jennifer from Old World, Wisconsin. So, Jennifer, why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, sure. Um, my name is Jennifer Van Haften, and my current official title is Associate Director, Programs and Historical Resources at Old World, Wisconsin. Um, I am a native Iowan, so I grew up in Urbandale and Marshalltown. Um, I was an intern at Living History Farms in Des Moines, Iowa, back in the 1990s, and I've worked at other living history sites and several historical museums since. That's been quite a while ago, so um, I have a very heavy background in history and museum studies, and that's kind of where this has taken me to get me here to Old World, Wisconsin. Well, we're always glad to find another Iowa girl out there, so glad <laughs> to hear that. 
So why don't you explain, just for the listeners who may not be aware, what is living history? What does that mean? Yeah, that is that is a really good question. It's always a tough one to explain to people. Um, I think probably the best way to explain it would be it's where uh, people try to recreate historical life, and they might use um, reproductions or they might use historic artifacts. Um, there might be historical buildings involved. They might recreate a historical landscape, such as farmsteads or gardens or flower beds. They use historical tools. Um, and oftentimes, the people that work in these locations, they uh, dress in clothing that is appropriate for whatever time period they happen to be portraying. Um, and a lot of times, it's really good for giving people a sense of stepping back in time. So when you go to a living history site, you can expect to probably feel like you're stepping back into the past in some way, shape, or form. And uh, just to clarify, is Old World Wisconsin a first-person living history site where they talk about I am instead of they were? Uh, no, it is not. Um, and actually, that's probably because for most people who are coming to places like this, it's it's different enough for them to be stepping back in the past with the different environments and different tools and all that kind of stuff that it's much easier to explain things to people if you're saying they did and they used to because then um, our staff who are out on the grounds, it's easier for them to say, now, when you go home and you do this, you know, how does that compare to what we're doing here? And I think that makes it more relevant to um, our guests that come on our grounds and you know want to learn about history. Um, some people do enjoy that role playing, but it takes people who are really, really, really into it. And if we've got people just dipping their toe into history, we'd much rather have them start to get excited about it and want to learn more and more rather than being scared off by somebody who's saying, I don't know what a highway is or anything like that. So, um, it, yeah, we just find that to be a lot more um, a lot easier for our guests to understand and be able to get along within our environments. Okay. So uh, your site is Old World Wisconsin. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about what Old World Wisconsin is like? If we go there just on a normal day, not when we're going there for this Laura event, what will we see? Um, when you come here, you need to expect to spend most of the day here if you really want to get everywhere. We're talking about, I believe we're 11 recreated farmsteads, and then we also have um, a crossroads village, which also has, I think, approximately 10 or 11 historic buildings in it as well. We cover 576 acres. We do have transportation that gets you around most of the acres, but you should also expect to do a fair amount of walking. Um, and when you enter any of these historic areas, you know, you're going to be greeted by people who look like they just stepped out of that building and just stepped out of their daily routine just to greet you, and they will talk to you about the um, families that are that used to live in the buildings and where these buildings came from in, in Wisconsin. Um, it's old world Wisconsin because it's about Wisconsin and it's about uh, the immigrants that came to Wisconsin. So besides um, the farmsteads being out there, they're also uh, divided according to ethnic groups. So we have Finnish farmsteads, Danish farmsteads, Norwegian farmsteads, German, Polish. We have Irish ethnic groups, uh, Czech, Bohemian, uh, Welsh, 
Yankee, uh, you know, people from upstate New York and, and New England and those kinds of things, all of those different backgrounds are also represented um, throughout the historic sites um, that we have on on the property. And we cover a wide range of time periods. So you can start as early as 1845. You can also visit a farmstead that shows 19, up to 1915. And we have quite a bit in between there. So it's it's a full day of getting around and learning about the the European immigrants that came to um, the Wisconsin, all of the state of Wisconsin. We have buildings that are from way up north in Bayfield County, um, all the way south in Rock County, um, Walworth County. A lot of the counties that are along our southern border, so we cover a lot in between too. So one thing that I noticed as someone who's been to a lot of Loving History sites that's a little bit unique about Old World Wisconsin is the distance between the home sites. It seems like um, there's a really decent amount of distance in between, so you don't have, you know, where you are some places and you can look from 1850 and, oh, there's the 1900 thing. But it isn't like that at Old World Wisconsin. There's a good amount of space and laid out, which is, I think, really good for suspension of disbelief, but is a, just something to be aware of. I don't think I'd want to go there without really good shoes. Oh, that is definitely true. And that's a good way to put it. That is definitely a compliment that we've gotten before is that when people really want to be immersed and feel like they've stepped back in time because many of our farmsteads are isolated, you know, by a lot of tree cover. We have a lot of trees in between of a lot of our places. Um, it makes you feel like, yeah, I am really out here, really with a homesteader. They're out here by themselves, and it's up to them to make it work. And, um, you know, even our staff, you know, talk about that and comment on that, and they really enjoy kind of that isolated feeling because, yeah, it does keep your time period separate and it just it's you know it's part of the ambiance it's part of that feeling that you get that you know you're you're getting a snippet of time uh in the past and i i I really appreciate that but yes wear your best shoes for walking that is definitely a good um good advice and just and be prepared to be outside for quite a long time which means you know sunscreen bug spray and that kind of thing um you know so i would say that's a very small price to pay to get that uh, step back in time feeling that you get on our site. So, uh, how did Old World Wisconsin get started? It's it's a pretty long and complicated story, but it was kind of a, a seed of an idea in one man's head in the late 1940s and early 1950s who wanted, he was seeing a lot of immigrant architecture disappearing from the landscape, as you can imagine, in the late 40s and early 50s, a lot of new buildings going on, a lot of people not appreciating uh, their historic buildings on their property, tearing down barns and things because they were trying to modernize and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so this gentleman started talking to people at the State Historical Society and other people took up the ball. And finally, um, by the 1970s, they had gotten enough people behind it and the state had decided to take it on of uh, bringing these buildings from different places in Wisconsin, representing different ethnic groups to one location so that people could appreciate them um, and so in the 1970s, that came together, and the state decided to throw its weight behind it as the Bicentennial Project for Wisconsin. So we are the Bicentennial Project, and we opened on July 4th, 1976. So um, 
just to kind of help people figure out where you are in terms of LoRa sites that they may be familiar with, I think the closest one, since you're sort of in eastern uh, Wisconsin, uh, is Ma's birthplace in Brookfield near uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So about how far away are you from that? Yeah, we're about um, about 30 miles from Brookfield um, in her location. And actually, we're about 25 miles from the Concord area. And if anybody really kind of goes deep into the family history, that is where um, Caroline's family, the Quiner Holbrooks and uh, Charles's Ingalls family both settled. And I believe that might have been where they met was in Concord, Wisconsin. And that's about 25 miles from Old World, Wisconsin. So um, the Wisconsin Ooh, so Society... Yeah, it is even closer. And the Historical Society has letters from uh, Caroline to, you know, Charles's brothers and sisters and their brother and sister-in-laws um, in the Concord area. It's before any of the girls were born. It's right around the Civil War. They talk about um, one of the brothers being in civil at the, at the Civil War, and there's a lot of different things in these letters. And those letters happen to actually be on our website, the Historical Society's website, too. So they are um, one of the links that you can – you have to just do a little searching, but you can click on it, and you can see it in actual um, – Ma's actual handwriting, that kind of thing. So that's kind of neat, and that's another little snippet of the life that they had in Wisconsin before they moved all the way over to Pepin. So uh, while you are kind of close to a couple of, of these related sites <coughs> – you're not really a uh, place where Laura lived herself. So how did your Laura Days program start? Um, we had what was called a Children's Day, um, and that usually occurred on summers. And this is even way back in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, at some point, it evolved into a Laura Ingalls Wilder Day. Um, one of our our programming team in the past, this was before I even got here, had uh, thought it would make a really neat connection to, you know, take all these kind of hands-on, really focused on children activities and connect them with a lot of activities that um, we could find in the books. And they looked up lots of quotes from the books and they looked at, somebody had even compiled a really nice list of um activities that we can do on site that did happen in the books and they put like the page numbers on the books and that kind of thing. So that was where it was at when I um, arrived in at Old World in 2005. Um, it was still on a Thursday. It was a huge day. We would get like 2,000 people. But if you had bad weather, you'd not get 2,000 people and everybody would be disappointed because the whole day was messed up. Um, we tried moving it to a Friday. We tried moving it to a Saturday. We were worried about the weather still. So we decided to make a tube day event, you know, kind of a toss-up there. Hopefully the weather would be good for part of the weekend or something. Um, and then at a certain point, we even added some of our threshing activities in there to kind of make it a whole family-oriented event because a lot of times um, Laura Ingalls Wilder attracts, you know, the, the girls and their moms more, and so adding the threshing in there seemed to get the dads and the boys feel like they were involved too, and so it was a really good family weekend. Um, but we'd still run into those, you know, if it was really, really
really bad weather, you'd you'd miss the whole weekend or something like that, and we'd have disappointed fans, and we'd be disappointed because we'd been all ready. Um, so uh, we had a new director come on board in 2012, and he said, let's try it as a whole month so that we don't have to worry about – we've got a full month, so if there's bad weather on one day – we got 30 more days that we can try things on. And so that's when we started doing that last year. And uh, we enjoyed it so much, and we seemed to have some really good response from our uh, guests that were coming out on the site. So we continued it this year for a full month. And it's, it's really nice to spread it out because now we don't get crushed with 2,000 people on one day. And so all of our guests get much more individualized attention because, you know, if you take that 2,000 and spread it over the whole month, and actually the month will hold way more than 2,000 people, um, our our staff can really um, have more time to work with the kids and work with adults and make sure that everybody gets a chance for hands-on and it's not, you know, lines, you know, out the door for every activity that we have going on. Everybody gets a chance to try their things um, and there's, you know, no waiting, you know, no lines it, it's. I think it's just. It's much more enjoyable to know you've got a whole month. You you know, pick a day, pick two, two days. Let's make it once a weekend, and we'll come out. You know, four times in the month of July. So, um, so we've really been enjoying it. Um, we've been getting positive in, uh, feedback from our guests too. So I think we'll continue it. Yeah, I was there for one of the the two thousand people on a Thursday, and and I never could un- and I couldn't understand why you had it on a Thursday. But then I got there and I realized it was two thousand people, and that was why uh, you, that you <laughs> wanted it on a weekday to kind of cut down some of the yeah coming. right. But it it was it was a real nice event, and I hope I can get back to see this this new version of it. Tell us about some of the activities that you have going on on site during the month. Um, you know, all sorts of things. They We try really hard to find things that really match up with the books, and the staff have um, information, even if our staff aren't like, you know, full-time Laura fans, we get information out to them so that they know what books they might be from so they can share that with their guests, and the guests can make the connections back to the books. And um, we this year we have um, – well, I'm just, I don't want to like do a laundry list. We're doing things like uh, making button strings. We've got uh, a new activity this year where you can make a purchase out of our general store. Um, you get a, you purchase a coin as you come in at admissions and then that coin will allow you to purchase some items out of the general store. That's been a real popular hit. Um, we have laundry that we do. We roll out pie dough. Um, if uh, folks remember in Farmer Boy, Almanza almost uh, became a wagon apprentice, and so we have our guests uh, become apprentices in our wagon shop, so we have them doing activities there. Kneading bread, uh, we have a dress-up box with 1860s clothing um, on uh uh, July 26th and 27th, so that's a special weekend uh, situation. Learning to crochet, um, help pumping well water, cat's cradles, schoolhouse, uh, practicing your penmanship, rug beating. Uh, yeah, we get, you know, spinning wheel. We've got so many things going on. I feel like I'm kind of going over and over and over again. Um, you know, working with wool, you know, like Almanzo's whole family did a lot of wool working and, and helping stack wood. Laura and Mary brought in that whole stack of wood before the blizzard hit their house while their mom and pa were out, um, 
out to town and Carrie, they figured out Carrie could open the door herself. I love that part of the book. So, <laughs> so there's all sorts of uh, jumping in a haystack, um, not exactly a straw stack, but it is a haystack. Um, and yes, you were probably being naughty when you do it, but we let you do it anyway. <laughs> um, piecing together quilt squares. So yeah, I mean, just all sorts of uh, things that really match back with a lot of the things that you would um, see in the books as well. Are the there are there the same activities every day so it doesn't matter which day you go or if you'd want to see everything do you have to come back a couple times? You may have to come back even more than a couple times. Um what we do is that on weekdays our um our Mondays are all the same, our Tuesdays are all the same and so forth all the way through Fridays. And then every weekend we have something different going on. So um, for example, the first weekend of July became our 4th of July celebration, um, a huge blowout. There were a lot of um, tug-of-war contests, egg toss contests, um, tasting lemonade, uh, trying out a tableau at the schoolhouse. Um, all sorts of activities are based around 4th of July um, celebrations that you would have seen in the 19th century. Um, and I think Laura Ingalls Wilder mentions at least two or three different Fourth of Julys from different perspectives in her books. Um, the second week, this last weekend, the 12th and the 13th, um, we have different things going on. So we were doing butter in one location, uh, looking for help to wash dishes, and baking on Saturday in one of the locations, um, making a paper hat. We don't have anything as complicated as paper dolls, so we made paper hats. We thought that would also appeal to boys as well as girls. Um, and then uh, this coming weekend is actually not quite as Laura Ingalls oriented because uh, we also have a high wheel enthusiast group coming out uh, to do kind of a ride around Old World Wisconsin, and that's part of our new experience, our cat wheel fever experience that we have uh, just opened this particular season. But we still have things like you're still helping out at the wagon shop, obviously that has to do with wheels. Uh, games that you um, games that you do for recess outside, hoops and sticks, again another um, <laughs> another reference to wheels, so we're kind of wheel focused that weekend. And then the final weekend we are doing a lot associated with threshing, so if you can uh, remember um, Laura describing the uh, the huge threshing machine and the horses powering that. Um, we do uh, we also do steam powered out here too because uh, we're a little clo- you know a little further into the 20th century, so we try to appeal to some other people with that. So yeah, you would you know if you wanted to see everything, you'd have to come for like a full week and then every weekend thereafter. So. Okay, I'm back if you were okay. Um, Sorry about that. And it does look like we actually have uh, someone who's called in with a question. So area code 972, we're going to put you on now. Hello, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yes, hi. I'm actually a big Little House on the Prairie fan. Um, You know, a lot of fans don't even uh, know the the later episodes. I think they even had some movies. Um, If you're a fan, you might know this, but some people didn't. Uh, For example, I think if there was one movie or a final episode when the whole town was being bought out by some real estate developer, and what they ended up doing was 
dynamiting everything in the town. Do you guys recall that one? Was that a movie or an episode? I didn't catch the last part. What did they end up doing with the entire town? So I think there was a real estate developer, and I remember seeing this. This was one of the things that happened yeah. towards the end. I don't know if it was for the oh. new beginning or – yeah. Um, they basically – somebody wanted to buy the whole Walnut Grove, and I think they just didn't want to give it away, so they ended up dy- literally, I think, dynamiting each each place, um, the shop, the work, yeah. and then just blowing it up. And each person who was related to that place would do that. Do you guys remember that episode or movie? Or That's the finale of the Little House in the Prairie TV show. Um but it's nothing to do with real life or anything like that. Michael Landon just didn't want anybody else to use his set, so he blew them up. Is basically. Oh, what right. okay. What about the what about the, okay. the new beginning then? Then there was the yeah. Oh, then there okay. was the new beginning. Uh, we're, we're actually we're we're actually talking about Old World Wisconsin's event today. So, I, do you have a question about that? Oh yeah, sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I, I thought it was the this not do Blue House in the Prairie. I, I saw the word um, Wilder, and I, I heard something about Hermans, and I thought it was Blue House and the Prairie stuff. I, I apologize. It's not nothing to do with that. So, no, Thank you so for I'm calling not... in. And if you've got uh, uh, questions uh, like that about what's real and that kind of thing or what happened with that, uh, probably the better place would be to ask them at the Twitter feed, Trundle Bed Tales, or on the Facebook page, Trundle Bed Tales. And you can also email me at info at trundlebedtales.com, and I would be glad to help you with that. Okay, let's. Um, so we were talking about all the events that are going on at the Laura Ingalls Wilder event for um, Old World Wisconsin, and you were telling us about the different things, and there are different things going on different days. How can someone find out when a, a particular activity will take place? So let's say you're really interested in rolling down the straw pile, uh, like they did in on the banks of Plum Creek. How would I find out as a guest coming in what, when when that's going on and where I have to go? The best place to go would be to our website, so that's oldworldwisconsin.org. And then at our home page, you'll see a uh, link that says Events Calendar, and you click on that. Um, and then you should see the World of Little House come up at the top of the page. You'll click on that. And inside that description, there will be um, – it talks about um, – the world of Little House in general, and you'll see highlighted in blue a detailed lineup of daily activities. You click on that; it's a PDF. You can download it to excuse me your computer, your phone, um, or you can print it out and carry it around with you. Stick it on your refrigerator just to remind you when you want to show up. Um, and that is the uh, most up to date that we have for the activities that are going on. Okay. Uh, so you can check out on the, the website before you get there. And do you have handouts of that around when, when people show up? Yeah, when when you show up, um, the uh, map that shows how to get around our whole entire site on the back of it will list the daily menu of what you should expect for the day. Um, and then if you wanted to see what's happening on other days, they would certainly they can certainly go to the website and uh, you know look at the website PDF as well and that kind of thing. We're trying to save paper a little bit, so um, we do print on our daily maps what you're going to expect to find for that day. Um, and you know as far as the the rest of the information, we try to keep that in electronic form, so we're not using up a whole lot of paper. Okay, well we've got another question. Let's 
try and be brave and see what it is this time. Area code 661, you're on the air. Did you have a question about about the Laura Ingalls Wilder event at Old World Wisconsin? Yeah, was that my own there? Yeah. Go ahead, yes. Yeah, I can you just please tell me again, when was the dates for the event, please? Yes, um, our our event is called the World of Little House, and it is for the entire month of July. So we will be continuing through July 31st. So if you want to come on up to Old World, Wisconsin, we are doing uh, Little House activities all the way through July 31st. And what are the timings for the event? Um, we are open every day of the week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the address? Um, we're in Eagle, Wisconsin. Um, our address is a little bit complicated, so if you want to get a pen or something to write it down. Yeah, sure, go ahead. I'm ready. Just so yep, I can it map is, with it while I'm driving the area. Sure, it's W372S mm-hmm. and Sam9727, Highway 67. And we're in Eagle, Wisconsin, and that mm-hmm. our zip code is five three one one nine. And I'd be happy to give you our information number too, if you'd be interested. Uh, please, what's the phone number, please? I was going to ask who to contact, just in case. Sure, we're at two six two five nine four six three zero one, and there should always be somebody there between ten and five to answer your call. Okay, and uh, let's see, I got the address, phone number, town. Oh, what's the admission price, please? Um, we charge $16 for adults and $9 for children, $14 for seniors. Uh, sorry, my phone, my phone cut out. Sorry, what's the admission price, please? Yeah, um, $16 for adults, mm-hmm. $9 for children, five ages 5 to 17, children under uh, 5, so that's 4 and younger are free. And then college mm-hmm. students and senior citizens are $14. Okay, is there a limit uh, to how many people we can bring? Oh, bring as many as you want. As many as I want. Okay, any other kind of rules, restrictions I should know about? I'm coming from out of town. Yeah, I just want to make sure that folks are aware that we're 576 acres, so you want to make sure that you give yourself plenty of time to see our entire site. Um, so it is best to show up when we open at 10 a.m. and expect to spend the whole day here. We do have a cafe on site, so there is some place where you can go get something to eat. Our museum store has beverages and drinks. Bring some sunscreen with you, probably a hat. Um, but your admission also includes um, tra- tram transportation throughout the site, so you don't have to walk the entire 576 acres. I understand. Okay. And yeah. are there any and, dress codes or anything? Well, not necessarily. You want to be comfortable, but you want shoes that can, you know, last you the whole day. And if you've got some folks who are big Laura Ingalls Wilder fans and they want to dress in historic clothing as they did in Laura Ingalls Wilder, then they you can get a $2 discount off of your individual admissions. And now a question for the ladies. Are you attracted to each other? Okay, I think that's about where we're going to end up with that one. And going on, um, we've got, okay, so we were, actually that was 
a good follow-up about the trams because uh, I was getting the next question was how do we get from farm to farm at Old World Wisconsin? Yes, yeah. So we definitely do have tram transportation, um, and it's uh, it's covered. It's not fully enclosed, but it is covered. Um, our our acreage has a lot of wooded areas on it, so there's a lot of shade that you can find throughout our site as well. So if people are concerned about too much sun or whatever, I mean, I do recommend sunscreen. I do recommend hats that have pretty big brims, but you will be able to easily find shade in a lot of different places across our site. We do have drinking fountains throughout the site where you could refill a bottle, although it is well water, so it does taste like iron. Um, or you could buy bottled water at our gift shop, and we also have some uh, water and soda machines at some of our farther reaches of our location. So there are some places where you can stop and pick some things up too. So um, expect varying restrooms. Um, we do have flush toilets in um, our German area and our Norwegian area. Those are kind of our far out branches and then also at our museum store. But then there are also in between um, a number of pit toilets. So if you think of us kind of like a state park as well, so we have the pit toilets available as, um, as you transverse between some of these areas too. Okay, so uh, and to refer back to something that, that uh, you'd mentioned when you were talking about the cost of admission because I thought it was really interesting because it isn't normally the case. A lot of times with living history sites, they really don't want you to come wearing your Laura dresses, especially if you're an adult, because it kind of can confuse people about who's deaf and who isn't that sort of thing. Even though it really, uh, I personally like to wear my Laura dress because then I can get some cool pictures. But. Um, mm -hmm. You guys actually welcome that and have this extra deal if people do show up in costumes. So that's uh, right. Lunch, um, yep, just you get two dollars off a little bit. Yeah, well, you get two dollars off your individual admission if you come dressed up. Um, so, and that's for adults and youth. Um, I don't think that um, you know observing this out on the site. Um, you know, a lot of the outfits that people wear are more based off of what you would have seen on the TV show, whereas our staff, you can tell there has been a lot of time and effort put into um, recreating the appropriate time periods on site. Um, our guests are, you know, very smart people, and I think they know the difference between um, which folks, you know, the ones wearing the Crocs and the tennis shoes under their dresses uh, to get around our whole entire site are definitely not staff people. Um, whereas our staff people definitely are wearing, you know, appropriate period footwear and appropriate period um, clothing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, our guests are, you know, they can tell the difference of what we have. So, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying about how some other sites are worried about, you know, you might be confused as staff. I think there's very few very sophisticated um, people who dress in historic clothing that – you know, I don't think that would happen too often. Now, you might have some really good historic clothing, and we might get you confused on site. But if you would like to come out and get your $2 off, we'd be more than happy to have you out there. And it's actually a nice educational tool. Um, you can start talking about, you know, our staff can talk about what they're wearing compared to what the kids are wearing and what they know and that kind of thing. So it's it's always, um, I think I think it's personally very useful and very nice to encourage their um their interest in Laura, you know, and we all have to start somewhere. I know when I started learning about historic clothing and period clothing, I was wearing the 
ubiquitous blouse and skirt, which was not going on in the 1870s and 1880s. But, you know, at, at a certain point I thought that was okay. And then later on I found out about all the nuances um, across the whole entire, all, well, all the decades of the 19th and 20th centuries and, and earlier. So, Okay, so let's talk about something a little fun. Let's talk about your miniature oxen on the Old World Wisconsin Facebook page because I just love them to death. Oh, they are one of the souvenirs that you can pick up at our museum store. Um, we were lucky enough to find a company that does um, uh, custom kind of animal, uh, stuffed animals, and they, uh, our director was working with them, and they're like, sure, we can make you a team of oxen with a yoke. And so I know we went through a couple of phases trying to get the collar right, trying to get the horns right, um, make sure that the uh, yoke, you know, worked for kids. You know, they could get the little heads out and play with them and that kind of thing. Um, and we really, they were modeled after um, one of our older pairs of oxen that uh, we had on site. And so um, so, yeah, they're based off of oxen that we have on site. We always have a team of oxen somewhere on site. Um, and, of course, as Laura fans know, Pa had used oxen every so often. They weren't necessarily his favorite animals to use. And as soon as he could get rid of them and get a team of horses, he would, which is true about most immigrants and most people that are migrating across the country, use the team of oxen to kind of tear up that hefty prairie soil. And once it's... it's um, been plowed up the first time it's a little bit easier to work with your horses who are much faster than your oxen uh but yeah they are um i don't want to get this wrong but they're i know they're fairly reasonably priced because i did purchase a pair for my daughter who was very excited about them too they're just they're just adorable so um and they are a good seller in our in our museum store and so if you go and look on the Old World Wisconsin Facebook page and you look under the photos section, you will see among the, all the other photos, because they're always posting very interesting photos of things that's going on there, you'll also see some where they, they took their miniature oxen uh, that they discovered living at Old World Wisconsin out on the grounds and take pictures of it. And it's just really good fun. So I think you should like their page and look for the miniature auction. Oxen. Oh, definitely. They, that was that was a fun time when we introduced those um, little guys to to our guests. So let's turn to something that you started brand new this year. Tell me about uh, some more about Wheel Crazy. Okay. Well, its its official title is Catch Wheel Fever. And it is based off of um, a book that was put out by the Wisconsin Historical Society Press, which is called Wheel Fever, How Wisconsin Became a Great Bicycling State. And it is um, the book itself covers probably about the late 1860s up until the early 1900s in cycling history in Wisconsin. Um, there were many groups of people that just, suddenly sprung up and they were caught by this, you know, wheel fever is what they called it. Um, it started out with being uh, a type of vehicle called a velocipede, which was essentially a, um, a vehicle with two wheels that were about the same size, but the pedals were on the front wheel. And they set up um, uh, 
for lack of a better term, kind of like a rink, an indoor rink that had wooden floors that you could practice riding your velocipede around on. Eventually, these hosted people practicing riding the high wheel bike, which they thought was better. They got a little more speed because the wheel was bigger, but they've still got the pedals attached directly to the wheel that's under them. Um, and eventually, somebody uh, came up with the idea of the chain-driven bicycle, which is also called the safety bicycle in uh, 1890s terms. So we have, at Old World Wisconsin, we have created a, an area to make you feel like that you have uh, just happened upon a badger wheelman, which is what they called uh, one of the bicycle clubs in Wisconsin in the 1890s, happened upon one of their club meetings. They have taken their bicycles out into the countryside from Milwaukee, and they're just doing a little touring around. Much like our bicyclists do today, uh, you see, you know, cyclists doing um, rides, you know, 30-mile, 60-mile rides, 100-mile rides in a day, and that's what these folks were doing on the high wheel, uh, which they called the ordinary because that – before the safety bicycle, that was the bicycle that everybody rode. Um, for the ladies and maybe the older gentlemen, they might have to ride a three-wheel high wheel where there's two large wheels at the back and a small wheel at the front, pretty much a tricycle for grown-ups, um, which is what we have for our guests to try on. Uh, well, not try on, try out um, on a little um, enclosed track. And anybody all the way from little kids to up to big adults have been on those and have tried those out. Um, we have some high wheels that are stationary, so you do not have to be a high wheel expert to climb aboard one and see what it actually feels like. Um, you can turn the pedals and, and see how that might feel if you climbed up on a high wheel. So this has been very exciting to open, and I had mentioned we have this Ride with the Wheelmen on this weekend, um, July 19th. Uh, the Wheelmen today in their modern, um, I guess, iteration or whatever, is a national organization that is uh, dedicated to riding and restoring antique bicycles before 1910. So many of those are the high wheels that we think of um, when we think about bicycling in the 19th century, but they've also recreated um, what, what I mentioned before, the velocipedes. The, many of them ride what's called the safety bikes, which is pretty much like bicycles we know today with the rubber-tired wheels and inner tubes and those kinds of things, but they've been restored and um, brought back to working condition, and then they will ride those around um, as demonstration. These ladies and gentlemen, they ride many long distances, too, as I understand it, there are several different wheelmen that are wheeling their way right now towards Wisconsin uh, for their, their national meet in Waukesha. And they're having, you know, essentially a wheelman conference um, over the next couple of days. And then on Saturday, they're gonna, some of them are going to ride out to Old World. The rest of them are going to um, haul their bicycles out and do a little 10-mile ride around inside our property, which is unusual. We've never really had bicycle riding inside our property. So one day only, um, people will get a chance to do that. And then uh, kind of around our outside of our property because they wanted to get a full 10 miles in for that. And they'll be doing, demonstrating how, how you use the high wheel bicycles and doing tricks and um, all sorts of demos in the afternoon then after we do that bicycle ride. So it's, it's, been, it's been well received. The experience itself, people enjoy it immensely. You can hear bicycle songs in the building where you're at. You can check out a workbench that is based off of an 1890s Oshkosh store. We have 
um, a photographic image that we've copied a lot of the things off of that onto our workbench that we have here as a reproduction. Um, you can try on historic clothing so that you can, you know, take pictures in the historic clothing when you're on the bikes. And it's it's a lot a lot of people have really been enjoying that. So I have a lot of fun. I want to go back and keep riding the tricycles because they're really kind of cool. So. All right. Uh, Old World Wisconsin is in Eagle, which is a fairly small town in sort of southeastern-ish Wisconsin. But to kind of give people a little better idea, if they're coming from a nearby city, about how far is it? Yeah, we're probably like evenly separated between Milwaukee and Madison. So probably about an hour 15 to either Milwaukee or Madison. Um, so if you're staying in Milwaukee, um, you're going to probably take I-94 until you get to Highway 67, and our main entrance is directly on Highway 67. Um, the same thing for Madison. You come out of Madison on 94 and take that to Highway 67. That's probably the easiest way to describe it. We're um, about two, two and a half hours, depending on which part of the Chicago suburbs you're coming from, to come up. It, you know, if people are in the Chicago area and they want to do a little day trip, you know, you leave your house at 8, you can get here at 10, you'll be home by 7. It's a nice, you know, little mini vacation that you could do with your family in one day. So um, we're kind of in that Madison, Milwaukee, Chicago triangle sort of in the middle. So, yeah, if you need to, it might be easiest to just Google Eagle, Wisconsin, and see where it's located. But, yeah, we're, we're you know, not far from Madison, not far from Milwaukee either way. So since it is kind of um... – a small town eagle proper, are there places around where uh, people can stay if they want to uh, come back a couple days? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Madison and Milwaukee are both, you know, really good choices. But also, um, if if folks like um, going to Lake Geneva, uh, we do get a lot of uh, Chicago people that stay in Lake Geneva. Um, they're <laughs> about 45 minutes from us. Um, so you can drive up from Lake Geneva if they come up on uh, Highway 12, which crosses over with 67 eventually, and then you take 67 north, and that will again get you to our front door. Um, you know, you could stay in places like Whitewater, Wisconsin, Maquanago, Wisconsin. They have a few. Um, Whitewater is uh, is uh, location of UW Whitewater, so they have probably a little bit more. Um, hotels because they've got, you know, parents that stay for the, the university over there and that kind of thing. So that might be a little bit easier. There are a few hotels in Maquanago. Um, but, you know, again, hour and 15 from Milwaukee, Madison, so plenty of hotels in there as well. Um, we'd mentioned Brookfield. Brookfield would be a place. So if you were, say, kind of doing a Laura Trek, you could stay in Brookfield. You could get to Old World very easily. Um, and, and Brookfield will have plenty of places to stay. Um, Waukesha and Pewaukee and Delafield are some of the other places that aren't too far that would have access to chain hotels and things like that. Okay, and I think you mentioned this already, but I want to just reinforce it. So if you do come for the day, there is uh, food available. You can buy lunch. You don't have to bring stuff with you. Yes, definitely. And you are welcome to bring stuff with you if you would like as well. So either way, you know, we've got both we've got both ways covered. Um, there's places to picnic outside, and then there are covered areas inside that are air conditioning if you want to eat at our cafe. Okay. 
And is is parking free or is there a cost for that? I know a lot of urban people, wherever you go, you got to pay to park. That's right, but we're not urban, so parking is free and there's plentiful parking. So they, they're, And it's actually not very far from our entrance area, so you really are never really walking very far to get from your car to uh, the admission. So, yeah, we always try to mention that. There are some other places around um, metropolitan Milwaukee that do charge for their parking additionally, too. But ours is free. Um, and I had mentioned the bathrooms before. We have flush toilets in selected areas and then, again, pit toilets like you encounter at state parks in um, areas in between. And like I said, large place, expect to do some walking. You want to wear your sunscreen. You probably do want to wear your bug spray. Um, I don't think we're quite as bad as Minnesota. I was up in Minnesota a few weeks ago. It was pretty buggy. But <laughs> I would still recommend it because you would just be more comfortable with that. Um, you can bring, you know, I said you could bring in your your own lunches if you want to. If you need to bring water and you want to carry that with you, you can. Um, we have water to purchase here. So we try to cover everything um, for you on site. And if you forget something, we probably have it in our museum store or at a restaurant. Okay. If people want to find out more about Old World Wisconsin online, where would you recommend that they go? Old World Wisconsin, all one word, dot org, and you can type that in any um, web browser, and it it should. I think I've noticed it usually pops up as the first one on there. Um, something kind of fun that people may not be aware of is that um, a couple of years ago, Google came around with their Google Car on our site. And so if people want to get kind of a closer-up look at us, if you go to a Google map and you um, go to the street view, you're going to see some parts of Old World Wisconsin on the street view. Well, that is really nifty. I will have to give that a try. Yeah. And um, let's see. So and they can like in your Facebook page, they can go to the website, and I don't think you guys are on Twitter, are you? We don't have our own Twitter page, but if yeah. you do want to find more information out about us, we're on Wisconsin Sites and Museums. That's right. I knew there was something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's so, WI uh, Sites Museums, all one word. So if you're looking for our Twitter handle, that we put stuff up on that one. All right. Now, we talked about this being sort of a, a month-long event and uh, Wheel Crazy and is going to be going on most of the summer. Is that going to continue next year too, or is it just yes, this year? Yes, that's a permanent experience. So um, anytime you, you come now through, you know, however long people continue to enjoy it, um, it's, Catch Wheel Fever will be there, uh, yeah, throughout the next several, you know, probably next 10, 20 years or whatever. So, yeah, for as long as we keep that going. Um, we are always looking to add new things, and so um, you know, folks should always you know check on our Facebook page or check on our web page and see what we might add for the summer of 2015. Um, I had mentioned that we were testing. Um, I, I guess I should say we're testing it out uh, during the month of Loringles Wilder, where you can get some coins at admissions and then spend them at our general store. It's been pretty well received by our guests so far, so we're thinking that may become a permanent part of our experience as well, where you can purchase a coin when you come in at admissions. Um, you know, 
one for everybody in the family or something like that, and then go browse in our general store. We have probably about um, you know four or five items that you can purchase now. We're hoping to expand that to seven or eight, um, and hopefully that will be something we'll ro- roll out a lot bigger next year. So uh, besides the, the Laura event and uh, our ongoing things, what are your big events during the year? Do you do a harvest event, a Christmas event? What else should people look for? Um, we've got something going on with every season of the year. So um, in May, all of our weekends in May um, are themed after, you know, springtime, so it's spring into the past. Um, we try to do something different every weekend, but it has some kind of spring theme with it. Uh, August month is our Civil War uh Civil War Encounters Month, um, and that was pretty well received last year, so we're doing it again this year. So that one will be um, more like it'll be the activities that you do will be the same every day um, for the most part. We will do some different things on the weekends, but most every day of the week you'll be able to come and do. We will have an encampment um, where our guests can come and set up the set up the tents or try on a jacket or hold an actual rifle, things like that. So um, we're trying to immerse our guests a little bit more in uh, that particular month. We're hoping next year to introduce a dairy month in the month of June. And um, we do have, besides our autumn on the farms, which starts in September and goes through October, we also have a Legends and Lore Halloween event. And that is... um, are uh, three Saturdays in October, starting October 11th, and then also Halloween uh, Halloween night um, on the 31st, Friday the 31st. So that same event will be going on four different times. Um, we do have uh, heritage workshops in the month of November. If you want to learn um, a handcraft, things like sausage making or basket making, um, that's on our website as well, and you want to click on workshops. And in December, we do a uh, Christmas event um, the first two weekends. We have, um, we'll have a breakfast in the morning. Folks can sign up for that individually. And then we are open to the public in the afternoon and talking about Christmas holiday traditions across ethnic groups and how they change over the 19th century. And um, that one stays mostly in our village because once we hit winter, it's, it's, really cold on the trams and really hard to get the trams around in the snow and the ice. Um, so we do more horse-drawn carriage, or if we have enough snow, we offer uh, bobsled rides during the uh, winter events in December. Uh, so lots of good things to look at from Eagle, Wisconsin, all during the year. And uh, and I, I wanted to just ask one more question. How... Are, uh, how have the numbers been since you've gone to doing this this month-long event as opposed to doing a single day? Are, are you seeing that there's lots of continued interest in Laura Ingalls Wilder, or has has there been somewhat of a decline? No, it's actually we um, increased our attendance um, 10% last year, and it looks like we're on the same track this year. Um, it, there's always something for everyone, I think is a good way to put it. Um, so, you know, we do get the Laura fans, but we also have things that are going to make, you know, dad and grandpa interested, and even the boys are excited about it. Um, so 
the, it, we're such, you know, such a big site, and there's so many different things that are going on. You probably, you know, if, if folks were living close enough that they could come here once a month, they probably wouldn't have the same experience twice. Um, and I think it is definitely a better value than going to a movie with your family, and probably pretty comparable um, price-wise. And you can fill an entire day rather than a couple hours. Um, uh, you know, if you compare it to a movie or something like that. So, okay, and there just want to reinforce that for this year, 2014, uh, the dates of the month-long event are from June to 28th to July 31st. So all the way through July with a couple of bonus days. And yeah. Do you have Do you have dates set for next year yet? Um, no, not exactly, but it probably will definitely be most of July. Um, we haven't looked to see how the June kind of overlaps into the next month. Um, so we need to take a look at that and see how that will happen. But, um, definitely it will, it will encompass July 1st to, to July 31st. Um, and if we get bonus days, that's even better. So. Well, that's great. And uh, was there anything that I didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure people knew about this fantastic sounding event? Um, I, I hope that they uh, put it on their calendars for traveling around. And Wisconsin is a great state to visit, not just for old world Wisconsin. But yeah, if anybody's making a trek to follow Laura's path and maybe some in her mother's path and see where she lived we're you know right along the way and uh, put us on their schedule if they're going to do that kind of trip and uh, you know stop by one of the days and come see us so it will definitely give you a sense of living like Laura did because we have a number of log homes and so you can hearken back to Little House in the Big Woods and and get that isolated feeling as we talked about you know at the top of the show about how our farmsteads feel very isolated and you can just really imagine that that must have been how it felt like for Mary and Laura being the only two kids there playing by themselves at that farmstead so you can get that feeling out here well thank you very much for coming on Jennifer and uh, I'm looking forward to see what exciting things are going to be coming from Old Old Wisconsin in the coming years. Well, good, and thank you for having me, and I hope many of your fans will come and check us out. All right, and everybody else, I don't have a schedule for the next episode because it kind of depends when I get into town, what the Internet connections are like, but check back. Check back next weekend uh, when we are going to be heading out to the 40th anniversary of the Little House on the Prairie TV show and with in Walnut Grove. And I'm going to report back what we are going to do and see. And I think that you'll enjoy that too. And we just have had a great month here on the podcast. So if you haven't had a chance yet, be sure to check out that episode about the 40th anniversary coming up. Check out our episode from last month with Dean Butler. And look for some more exciting episodes coming up in the month of August. So thank you. And come on back to Trundlebed Tales. Remember to brighten the corner where you are. (laughs) 